Hello, and welcome to another episode of Goblin Lore. In this episode, the entire cast is back together, and we're talking about the metaphysics of a spark. Specifically, the things that we've seen change in the history of sparks over the course of magic lore. We get into discussions about Space Jam, about creativity, about Malcolm Gladwell, and even how the Planeswalkers are the 1% billionaires of our own multiverse. But... Specifically, we want you to know that everyone has the potential to spark and be a planeswalker of their own lives. Just a reminder that this show is presented by Hipsters of the Coast. You can find them at hipstersofthecoast.com or at hipstersmtg on Twitter. Thanks so much for their support. Now, without any further ado, let's get to the show. Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to another episode of Goblin Lore. Today, like Marie Kondo, we will be helping you find what sparks joy. Wait, sorry. I mean, we are going to be talking about what sparks actually are. Is, uh, We're going to be talking about Planeswalker sparks. Is I this a... still episode about Marie Kondo? Yeah, I was going to ask the same thing. Is Are we going to talk about Marie Kondo at all? I mean, we can. Uh, It'll come up naturally because I do think there is room for discussion about sparks and joy, even though that is not how we have seen them act in most of magic history. I mean, I am only I am only familiar with her through mimetic means. (laughs) So this episode is sparking me joy. All right. Which actually does bring us kind of to our intro question. This is Hobbs Q. I can be found on Twitter at Hobskew. And um, I'm going to give this to my co-host before I answer. But this is a question that I've brought up a couple of times on different days, many different years. Because I really like this idea of if you were a planeswalker, how would you spark? Um, I think the initial discussion that this came from this idea that like all the planeswalkers sparking stories are these very elaborate things. And I wanted it to be like I sparked because... You know, the guy cut me off in line at the Starbucks. Just something very mundane. So it did get me always thinking, if you were a planeswalker, how would you spark? Or what caused you to spark? So I'm going to throw that over to my co-hosts. I'm Joe Redman. You can find me on Twitter at Findhorn. That's F-Y-N-D Horn. If I was a planeswalker, I would spark by uh, just laughing so hard that I, like you know you, you know you get to that point that you're laughing you've been laughing so hard and long that you're out of breath and your face is red and you're like crying you're like cry laughing and then you're laughing that you're also cry you're laughing at the fact that you're crying and like people are laughing around you also like usually it's like that feedback loop it, w- it would be that where just like it would go beyond the like I'm out of breath, I can't breathe, and then all of a sudden just poof. Like you had to spark because you were actually going to laugh yourself to death. Well, n- n- no, but like I I like the joyful part of it, the the laugh the laughing part of it. Now you had to take my my figurative uh, my metaphor here and make it very literal. <laughs> I had a very nice, happy thing going. <laughs> now <laughs> I love this idea of sparking by joy, and I want to come back to that. So, thanks for starting us off just all warm and fuzzy, Joe. 
Anytime. Well, I, I, I'm Alex uh, Newman, found uh, on Twitter at Alexander Newham, and I, and I went a different direction with this, as I, I often uh, do. I kind of went to a literary uh, means to uh, to books and novels. I, I tend to read a lot, and um, this this makes me think of a character from uh, one of David Edding's series. Um, it's a series where in this world there are sorcerers and sorceresses and their power is very similar to old school planeswalkers and there's some some differences and things but that's not the point of this episode but there's this character who was a sorcerer but, um, and didn't know it like most people their their abilities spark in a dramatic thing again similar to to most planeswalkers and magic story but there's this one character who is a scholar who didn't realize that he had been alive for like a couple hundred years um, because he was a sorcerer at some point along the way in his study, it must've happened. And he didn't quite realize it until his colleagues were also academics trying to figure out why he was still alive. So they did an experiment <laughs> and they hired a well-known defenestrator Um to, Alex, Alex, what's a defenestrator? The term to uh, defenestrate is to push someone out a window. <laughs> yes, his colleagues hired a defenestrator to uh, to attempt to push him out of a uh, very high window to just see what would happen, because uh, apparently they're academics, and this is an experiment that made sense to them. Um, and that uh, defenestrator then found himself outside, um, because that's kind of when the guy's powers manifested themselves, as opposed to just keeping him alive. Um, so I think... If, if I were a planeswalker, my spark would probably ignite in some seeming, you know, similarly mundane thing, either in research or I'm like working Excel and I just figured out how to make this macro work. And then all of a sudden I'm <laughs> on Lorwyn, like, what the hell is this? <laughs> well, actually, if I spark working on spreadsheets, I will probably go to some Excel based plane. Uh, you, oh. be, you could be in charge of the Azorius. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I show up just in an Azorius board meeting. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like your appearance is enough that you like you appear with your kind of your your spreadsheet in front of you. Yeah, and you just basically become their new guild leader. Oh like, yep. wow! Can you yeah. imagine trying to decipher like macros and pivot tables, but all in Azorius law runes? Oh wow! Well, I am Hobbs Q, um, and I I really you know. I think that how I would spark is I, I I think you know going to my example like I feel like I'm the type of person that would spark for overreaction to something that's very minor. Um, <laughs> it would be like somebody spoiling Game of Thrones for me when I'm a season and a half behind and really don't know if I'm going to finish, and like when I'm going to catch up. So I don't really have a plan, but then I'm going to get something spoiled and then just like randomly get pissed for no reason and spark. Well, and then you won't even be able to catch up because I'm pretty sure most planes in the multiverse don't have cable TV. I mean, to be fair, if I show up on Ravnica, it could easily just be like an episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> uh, see, the scary thing would be if you sparked and showed up on Westeros. That would be, yeah. that would be great. Oh, next level. <laughs> to be fair, though, depending on when the spoiler came, that might be very advantageous. <laughs> that, that's fair. We're waiting for the crossover, HBO and Wizards, you cowards. Yeah. <laughs> so now that we've talked about how we would spark let's talk about what sparking is what is a spark it kind of the metaphysics behind a spark what is it 
How does it happen? What does it mean for the game of Magic? Yeah, um, so we specifically want to mention also that we are going to be talking around planeswalkers obviously the spark is a central part of what makes a planeswalker but we're not really going to be talking about planeswalkers themselves we we want to specifically focus on the spark and what it does and so i'm sure we'll get into planeswalkers as a as an idea later on in some other episode Mm -hmm. but right now we're focusing on this concept especially because you know, in Magic Story right now, we are in the middle of War of the Spark, and so a lot of things have sort of changed as a res- as a result of this. A lot of things in lore have been changed or clarified in in relation to the Spark. So, uh, let's let's just start with Dat Spark, though. Uh, the the first thing that you might be asking is is how likely is it that I am a latent planeswalker, and. Uh, Essentially, this is a question that was answered by Doug Beyer in his uh, Savor the Flavor column back in 2009, so a good decade ago. The The closest thing we have to canon on this right now is that it is a one in a million that you have a latent spark inside you. So, for reference, Earth has about, what, seven billion people now? Is that about right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thereabouts. So, Give or take. About 7,000 of us have a latent Planeswalker spark. Now, you might be saying, hey, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of potential Planeswalkers. Holy crap. We are going to have a lot of Planeswalkers soon. Like, this is great. But that's not (laughs) or bad or terrible, depending on how you see, you know, all these things. Yeah. War of the Sparks not going so well. Um, But uh, the next question then is, Okay, well, no, you know how many people have that spark ignite, and that's that's the thing is is it's a rare occurrence that this latent potential, this latent magical potential, blooms and blossoms and erupts. So it's much, much, much fewer. Uh, I believe I don't believe that Doug gives any sort of uh, odds on this, but it's it's more of probably like one in a million on that too so somebody else can do the odds here i guess it would be like what one in a trillion that you have a latent spark and will spark so it's it's a very rare thing to actually have this this quality in the multiverse um so that kind of gives us the parameters of what this all looks like but now let's talk about the spark itself so the planeswalker spark is this it's this magical power and potential that is sort of imprinted on a living being's soul for lack of a better term um i don't remember if this was a no this was not a doug buyer this was uh kelly diggs and ethan fleischer who talked about um it's it's essentially a little bit of ether uh the material that's in the blind eternities and specifically might be a part of the blind eternities that's imprinted on a being's soul as it becomes uh embodied the what they said in these internal documents for wizards is that this is this magical imprint on somebody's soul on your essence of being um it's sort of a, a birthmark. And so the the theory that they had, at least, and this isn't, obviously, this has never been um, 
sort of canonized in any public literature or on cards or anything but you know the internal documents said that this is like the life force of all beings is is tied to ether and we're starting to see a little bit of that start to pan out with kaladesh i think um but with the planeswalker spark even the latent ones it's it's almost like there's an additional couple of strands tying you to the blind eternities and that's what gives a planeswalker the ability to move through that without being harmed and another aspect of that if you don't mind me jumping into that i I think is interesting but might maybe we go into in more detail later um that spark and this is according to a a blog post by uh, doug buyer uh it's kind of confirmed in this blog post but having a spark is what allows planeswalkers to draw mana from multiple planes Mm. um a lot of stories more recent a lot of the more recent stories don't focus on the mechanics of mana as much as they did in earlier ones where the the wizards whomever whatever character was casting a spell was literally tapping energy from a land that they knew of a place they had been um and planeswalkers apparently the the spark allows them to do this not just from lands of their own plane or the plane that they are currently in but also of other planes and um especially if when we get into kind of the differences between the old walkers and the new walkers, this is one of the few things that sets new walkers apart on an individual basis from just normal people on a plane. Yeah. They have this higher potential for power. It's not necessarily that they automatically are more powerful. Yeah. And that's maybe a good way to put it. It's a, it's a higher potential for power. It's, it's like having a, a larger jar to fill essentially, you know, um, and and yeah, it's it's whereas we saw in stories um, like the Weatherlight Saga, Gerard could cast a spell using mana from Banalia, even if he was on Phyrexia. Um, you know, now that's a power that only Planeswalkers have. Uh, and we could get into all the theories about like maybe you know the mending fixed that, and so now mm-hmm. since there are fewer fractures in the fabric of the multiverse you have to be a more powerful being to, you know, find those channels. You need that connection to the multiverse to allow you to tap energy from elsewhere. Yeah. And there's, I mean, a part of this is due to the fact that there's kind of been revisions within the history of magic. Um, there was this idea of planeswalkers and sparks, even from, I mean, some of the early novels in arena, the very first mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. was just kind of this idea that you could, incredible amounts of mana being hoarded which is interesting when we get to now bolus hoarding or bolus collecting sparks but it was this idea that it was mainly mana that was being hoarded and we've kind of moved kind of through that now one thing i will say is that we know now is sparks occur randomly Mm -hmm. they cannot be created artificially at least where we are currently and Mm -hmm. what we know they can be transferred And they could be stored, which is just a really interesting, weird idea, um, which is kind of – so it deals with certain characters. That's mainly been to give characters these godlike powers who weren't planeswalkers in old stories. But we have had them being contained in some way. Yeah. Uh, So specifically uh, examples of the – 
transfer. That's that's been a little more recent that we've seen transfers happen as uh, as things in stories. So like Glissa's spark when she died the first time transferred to Slowbad. Um, uh, originally Memnarch on Mirrodin tried to get it transferred to him, but then they both died in this explosion and it transferred to Slowbad because he was the nearest living thing. Um, yeah. We had Venser who transferred his spark to Karn on also on Mirrodin. Uh, Mirrodin is a lot of spark transfer things happening. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe that, <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, maybe there is something going on. To be fair, this isn't the first time Karn has had one transferred to him. This He's is not true. the best at keeping them. No, he really needs to take better care of these things, considering how yeah. rare they are. Yeah. Uh, and then there was obviously uh, the earliest one I think that we know of was Galatian, who was the latent planeswalker of the Thrawn. Uh, his spark got transferred into the Might Stone and Weak Stone, the artifacts that then became a part of Urza when he sparked and so there's a theory that it wasn't actually Urza who had a latent planeswalker spark maybe that was just Glacian's spark maybe he also had a spark and the two combined we're unsure but then eventually once Urza died in the end of Apocalypse his spark or both of those sparks transferred to Karn so Transfers happened a, a decent amount. There has been the containment. Um, Ravidel did that to Altair of Coloni. Yogmuth did that to Glacian, again transferring uh, the sparks out of him into the Mightstone and Weakstone. Um, so there's there's a lot of weird things that go on. It's it's this part of you, and I and I think again, like you said, Hobbs, it's it's gone from being this sort of innate mana power where like depending on how much how large of a spell you cast you could walk from one plane to another to now it's much more of a of a specific soul imprint thing i think as we go forward in magic history it's gotten more defined but some of those definitions kind of do contradict previous stuff we have learned and and i don't think that detracts from it in story though you know it's it's sort of this thing of planeswalkers are almost like unfathomable beings we're 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 learning more about them as we come in contact with more of them sort of and i think it the spark is kind of an unfathomable thing that affects the beings um I mean, the beings, I think, in the, the Old Walkers, if we want to talk about that a little bit, because if their yeah. sparks were different, they were more unfathomable. And I think it's part of how Wizards has been doing their storytelling. And, and I, I think it's been a very good change that the the individuals who are Planeswalkers are much more, I guess, fathomable. They're, they're much more, um, I don't want to say human, because many of them aren't humans, but well, they're, 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 they're much they're, more... They're vulnerable. They can be yeah. hurt. They can... Yes. die i mean well, they could, yeah yes and that's all true what what i was trying to get is is there 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 are people that that is they're being they're they're not people gods. And characters that we can relate to exactly they they are not gods they're not unfathomable forces which is what many of the old walkers were even the ones who were people like had a tendency towards acting more deific and being more on the the god end of the spectrum just because of the power level they had it was harder for them to relate to individuals and events 
in a human in a human level way yeah i i think that's a a really good point that it that potential for power is in any planeswalker spark or that's a part of any planeswalker sparking but it is the the ones who fulfilled a lot of that potential sort of it it kind of distanced them from their humanity or their their hump their humility in a way that it's it's almost the like the wealth of of magical capability you know that made they became the magical one percent well and so the planeswalker spark in and of itself did change during the mending the event that happened during the time spiral block where those old walkers who did have godlike powers that could you know literally create worlds that was the reserve of power that the spark allowed for them back in the day um we now have planeswalkers who are able to walk between planes they are a more uh i think i would say they're still probably more magically capable but than than the average bear but they're not they're not crazy powerful it it, it doesn't come with a great well of power automatically and that was kind of how the 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 spark and, and planeswalkers were were set up before that they spark and they are immediately imbued with this great well of of power and now they kind of have to 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 go out and build that power themselves right you gotta Um, work for it the sparks were used to seal these rifts and i I, if you listen to enough you know vorthos story cast you're gonna hear the mending mentioned a lot and (laughs) the mending was an event happened during the time spiral block what a little over a decade ago at this point in the real world um and something like 50 years in game i knew it was a while but it wasn't one of those in ancient millennia sort of things but anyway the basically the plane of dominaria had had so many apocalypse that it was starting to fracture and dominaria being like a center pillar of the multiverse the multiverse was also beginning to just like start to crumble um and so the in that trilogy the the three sets the three novels relating to those three sets of the time spiral block um a group of of mostly planeswalkers but a handful of other people on on dominaria basically went around trying to heal these rifts and for the most part they were healed by a planeswalker usually who had some tie to what caused this apocalypse rift giving up their spark to help to heal the multiverse and i believe joe if you have you read these recently yes i have yep okay so then you could talk a little more to that you mentioned earlier but the about how the sparks changed because there was talk i think in the future site but it's it's been years since i read them about the multiverse sort of shifting now that this whole disaster was averted it's like yeah not doing that again and so now planeswalker sparks work differently so that they don't destabilize everything like they (laughs) almost did yeah no and that's exactly it is there is um there's just much less magical impact on the fabric of reality by planeswalker actions now uh a a big thing that has been theorized behind the scenes about what happened with the mending is that essentially any spell that is cast has an effect on 
the plane that you're on, the blind eternities, the ether, your own life force, all this sort of stuff. But it, but depending on the magnitude of that spell, the and maybe you know the destructive power and and all this sort of stuff, depending on how big essentially the spell is, that depend that sh- sort of shapes the impact that happens. It, it kind of makes sense, right? I mean, it's the mass equals force. What is, or force equals mass times acceleration, that sort of thing. Where, yes, this thing, the the ball hits the wall, the wall reacts to the ball hitting the wall. There's all sorts of, it, it makes sense when you think about it. It's the, it's the ripples right. going out of the water. Uh, I mean, it's it's the action and reaction. There There isn't things just happening without consequences. Absolutely. And, and so now, though, because the sparks have much less scooping power essentially if we want to if we want to think of it as like a jar they're they're much smaller jars that uh, a spark has uh, that a spark gives somebody there's much less of the the water around that can be disturbed or disrupted by any single jar uh or any single scoop from any single jar um i i i think it's interesting too that uh, some theories have said that there, there's absolutely no canonicity to this too. I, this is absolutely just speculation, but I think it's cool is that sparks occurred from the multiverse being destabilized or sort of needing things to um, sort of balance out magic, mal- magical imbalances in the multiverse I really kind of like that idea. It's very similar, actually, to the Star Wars theory of the Force balancing itself in a in a grand cosmic sense, but that the imprints that the uh, that the blind eternities leave on souls tend to occur more when there is more imbalance happening, so that those powers can then work to hopefully restabilize the multiverse i it's it's this like cosmic level galaxy brain type stuff that i'm like well to be be fair i mean they're so i mean we have the whole idea of things finding balance like the force and in literature but that is also how things function on a the physical world i mean we have this idea of entropy Mm -hmm. and for there to be order in one area there needs to be chaos in another and the only way you can have order come about would be for chaos to belong i mean it, the the universe is constantly correcting itself based on creation of order and chaos nature because of vacuum. I did, yeah i mean because we can't create or destroy matter basically it's kind of without that's beyond the laws of what we believe can happen it, it just gets converted it gets changed in some ways and in some ways it is a balancing it is a return to stasis it's that idea that systems at rest will remain at rest i mean it's that idea that you're trying to return to some sort of baseline yeah no absolutely and this is entirely not canon not anywhere i'm just kind of spitballing here but you mentioned the force of entropy hobbs the the everything inevitably declines everything moves towards kind of nothing and it would be really interesting to me like the the idea that maybe sparks were an attempt to combat entropy Hmm. if that makes sense you're putting energy into the system but then the old sparks were just too much energy in one place and it was destabilizing in different ways i don't know that may not mean anything but no yeah i think interesting idea that makes a lot of sense and i think that is that theory of um 
you know, when when the rifts, uh, the time rifts on Dominaria had to be sealed, that the sparks of planeswalkers, especially specifically planeswalkers that were involved in the creation of those rifts, had to sacrifice their sparks for it. I, I think that's exactly it. And I think the biggest thing that we've seen with War of the Spark is this is the first time that we've physically seen what a spark looks like, thanks to the mm. machinations of a one Mr. N. Bolas. And uh, <laughs> we we now, at least, at least the way that it was harvested and shown in War of the Spark, that's it's sort of this, like, I don't know, if you, if you put your two fists together... And it's sort of about that size of, of like a glowing ball of white bluish light uh, that has sort of like a, a tail trail like a comet behind it when it moves um, and and we see that from the possibly thousands of, of nameless planeswalkers trapped on Ravnica whose sparks are being harvested sorry spoilers uh, whose sparks are being harvested by uh, Mr. Bolas as as part of his plan to return to uh, n- near godhood as a as a pre-mending planeswalker um, his theory and this is why I kind of like the theory actually that Urza's power is because his own spark combined with another powerful planeswalker spark uh, Bolas is taking all of these sparks powers and trying to put them into his own capability it's it's like he's grabbing everybody's jars and smushing it into one really big bowl <laughs> nickel bowl wow wow i was i almost i almost found myself following along and, and nodding the, the universe no. leans toward entropy and so do my metaphors <laughs> oh that <laughs> So the universe uh, invented puns in order to combat entropy. Uh, the universe invented me to combat sense. That's canon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, so what we have here is that yes, we get to actually see these sparks flying as little glowing balls up into the air and moving towards Nicol Bolas through the use of a spell. Mm-hmm. So once again, we're seeing basically sparks being moved or transferred through magic through spell yep um now we did get some helpful information about i think tying along to what you said joe in some ways that these sparks are part of a person's soul or they're intertwined with the person in the sense that having the spark ripped out did not just leave people like back to not being planeswalkers which is something that we had discussed on our episode when we were ranking what was going to happen you know not knowing at that point did de-sparking actually mean death because we've seen sparks inactive mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. omnixilis spark was inactive got it back um we've seen them transferred so we've seen them transferred without the person being killed so the question kind of became well what happened and mark rosewater said you know eternals Harvesting sparks, you're done. I mean, it, they're tied to you. I mean, now we have Mark Rosewater's lovely wording, which is harvested by an eternal. So we don't fully know, except we did see anybody who got what well, we we did see. The story gave us a really good indication of what it was to have your spark ripped out of you from a character point of view intertwined not only with your magical ability but with who you are right mm-hmm. yeah and 
some of it, like the difference, going back just a little bit, but thinking about the difference between um, internal harvesting a spike versus uh, spark versus the sparks being given up or transferred um, may come down. Obviously, well, it obviously comes down to the method of how it's done. Mm. Um, in in Mark, a different blog post, Mark Rosewater does clarify that the way Bolas did it was lethal because he didn't care about them surviving. So in that way, it is it is a thing that is tied deeply to you, and it's a thing that if ripped apart, ripped out, will kill you because it's you're just something's being torn. But a, there is there must be methods then where that thing can kind of be released without it tearing everything else out too right because we saw like for instance teferi uh volunteered his spark willingly and karn did as well to close up two time rifts on dominaria and they survived obviously Mm -hmm. um but yeah we when it's something forcibly taken and i'm sure it's your your body and soul's natural instinct to cling on to that thing and it just gets pulled in half maybe basically yeah, or it all gets ripped out together. Yeah. And I, I wonder, too, and so one thing that some have already asked questions about a little bit with the whole, uh, you know, the way Bolas did it, he didn't care about them surviving, um, is is why when Bolas is de-sparked, how does he survive? And I think part of the implied thing that... that I think part of the implied element of that is that Ugin and Jace, who did lead to Bolas desparking specifically, that they were trying to preserve Bolas so that you know Bolas could be locked away and imprisoned. Um, I I wonder though a little bit if some of it has to do with power as well, or or you know mm-hmm. power level capability because you know you th- you think about some of these unknown nameless planeswalkers they might not have been you know even at like sort of the ca- power level of our characters in in sort of the central magic storyline they might have just been fledgling we, we did see i think a few that were very fledgling planeswalkers you know one who other mm-hmm. than teo who like just sparked there and i was like oh what's going on and then gets harvested immediately um but then you have somebody like bolus who's lived for tens of thousands of years and has a certain amount of innate magical ability and and willpower as well that possibly yeah. and this is all head canon because you know of course mark specifically said it was methodology but maybe part of it too is that if you have the the power to survive that there's a certain amount of power and resistance that you have to survive something like that i don't know or your jerk of a brother doesn't want you to die because he wants to torture you for like eternity and i would watch that show (laughs) you know it's just waiting for godot with dragons right it's it's man it's just oh. big. It's Big Brother with only two people in the house, <laughs> <laughs> and only one of them. One of them can leave. <laughs> oh man! But then that does sort of get us into um, 
the question, I guess, you know, when we've talked a little bit about what the spark means for the characters in the multiverse, you know, what it what it represents, it represents magical potential, it represents it's part of their souls and, and their innate identities. Um, but of course, on Goblin Lore, we always want to tie stuff into the real world and talk about what you know. What's the point? What does this mean for us? And so, I want to ask you guys: What to you then is sort of our real world analog to the Planeswalker Spark? I actually, there is an interesting point. Now we know that sparks occur naturally. My take on it is mainly to do what you talked about, Joe, in this concept of latent versus uh, kind of actually sparking. So you could have the spark and not spark, um, which is actually kind of, I know they talk about it not being genetics, like these aren't passed down through lineages, but it does kind of come to a nature versus nurture discussion that can happen somewhat with um, mental health being expressed and mental illness showing up in that having a spark or having the, the like, genetic makeup or something within you that is likely from a biological standpoint to develop mental illness isn't enough. There has to be something that causes it to spark. There has to be an interplay between your environment and what goes on. This is why I do find this idea of sparking and the act of that being ignited to be the interesting thing. Um, We made our jokes at the beginning of the episode about how we would each spark. Um, what we have seen in magic is mainly spark through trauma mm-hmm. or negative events. And it's basically that type of an event took this latent ability, if we're going at it from that part, and, and it is what jump-started it. Now, we know that it's basically anything with intense, an intense situation can make it spark. One of the things that kind of does sound sad is that if that is joy or some other emotion that causes you to spark, if I'm holding my life in my hand, Maria Kondo style, and I look at it and it's great. And I decide that, you know, it does spark me joy. The way we've seen planes walking when people spark is they leave where they're at. It actually takes them away from the environment. Um, In the novel with Teo, we actually have a description where they're talking about it basically right at the moment of death saved him or right at the moment of death. It can, take you away from that situation so because what we've seen is this idea that sparking causes you to leave it could be one of the reasons we haven't seen intense emotions that are more pleasant be what has caused the spike um, sparking because then we'd have almost a tragedy in and of itself right there all of this is to say for me the like real world connection just comes back to this idea that intense emotions at any end of the spectrum if we kind of have propensity to be at risk for developing say depression anxiety any of it can occur because of that we all have potential in us to have this happen it doesn't mean that all of us are going to which i think plays nicely into that idea of what does it mean to have a latent spark versus what does it mean to actually have the spark ignite as a concept i don't have anything to add to that but I have something different I want to say. So I'm going to transition by pointing at the transition and saying, see, and then moving on. <laughs> there's a transition so, right there. There's a transition. Like, I think that was, my room. that was great, Hobbs, and I wish I could contribute to that. But instead, I'm going to contribute by doing something else. Um, a different idea of 
because as as this episode's been going, I've been trying to think of you know what what is a real world analog for a spark? This idea of of something that suddenly changes and then now you are different. Um, and I, I think that obviously there's a lot of fi- literal differences to an actual spark, but in a lot of ways there are parallels in real life. There are certainly times where something will happen in a good or a negative way where now you are different. Now things have, you have a new path. There is a new avenue um, to be actually, hey, look at this. I can tie into what you're talking about, Hobbs. To talk about um, an example that I can think of is my finally being diagnosed with my social anxiety. Now my life can change. I can go on a different path. And so it's not the same because in that you could have dozens of moments like that in your life as things shift, as things move. But I think there is some parallels there to a, a moment of sparking. I, I And I, I think about it too in a similar sense that it's it's you have uh, uh, so many avenues open, uh, you know, but you, you just never know where you're exactly going to end up. I like that idea a lot. And I think a lot too about... Um, you know, one of my past lives, I was a, a creative professional. I, I guess I still am creative in my in my <laughs> personal life. But yeah, so for a number of years, I was an actor and a director and a playwright. And, um, you know, I stopped eventually doing that because it just, uh, while we're talking about this, it didn't spark joy for me. Um, thanks, Marie Kondo. Uh, but I... I think there is, especially in creative stuff, there is a latent potential in everyone to be creative. That's something that we always talk about and something that I've always found when I do direct something is I love working with people, whether they're trained actors or not, I love working with them and helping them find the moments that matter, find find meaning in their character because everyone's got something to say. Everyone's got something creative to do. You know, whether whether it's, you know, drawing or, you know, creating costumes or, ta- you know, finding a, a way to express yourself verbally. Uh, you know, there are so many ways and so many avenues that everyone, in a sense, has has this latent potential. You just have to find the way to express it. And, you know, sometimes you just need that that one spark that one moment of somebody recognizing it or of you recognizing it even that to say hey this is something i can do and this is a a power i have i mean i like this idea joe that you're kind of you know it's flipping everything is the mental health aspect we don't talk enough about positive psychology i mean we haven't as of today it's that idea of studying people who tend to live healthy lives not just studying people who struggle and seeing you know what are the habits of healthy people what are the things that people do who uh you know that are resilient and Mm -hmm. this idea that we all have the potential for that inside of us it's just how do you unlock it what is it you know how closely tied is it to our our being and how is it brought about you know is it done forcefully which then we're talking more of this trauma type narrative that may lead to this idea that you don't recover from having your spark ripped or pulled versus it's, it's curated. It's brought about by nurture or by, like you said, somebody that's able to coax that potential out of you. That, rem- that reminded me a little bit of my, uh, 
learning also in a previous life when I was a teacher. Uh, it reminded me a bit of my education training and how we talked about, you know, the differentiation needed for students of differing abilities. And a lot of people, when you say that, isn't the assumption tends to be, okay, you're talking about students who maybe have a developmental disability or a learning disorder sort of thing. But in addition, you also have to consider students who would fall into the gifted and talented spectrum, you know? So there is this this amount of everyone has different abilities and you know as as a teacher especially you have to be that person who's looking for the chance to you're looking for any opportunity to to spark your students you know um in real life real life i think does look a lot more like the old walker model or even actually even more so the harper prism arena model where if you have the mana ability or you know the investment of time and training into your skills into your you know figuring out you know how to be more resilient into you know all this sort of stuff to augment your own natural gifts then that's where your potential sparks that it isn't this innate thing that you're you're born with all the time and that's the only thing that defines it you know there's a lot more i think put on uh, especially at least in the creative realm, a lot more about just going through it and practicing and building that stuff up. I mean, one of the things that, that we do teach in a lot of our groups is this idea that even the people that we think of as having just complete innate natural talent are going to tell you they literally had to practice all the time. They they did not get to where they were by just, you know, it, it might have gotten them to a certain point that talent may have been cultivated but they still had to pick up the ball they had to pick up the pen i mean you see it with writers and stephen king's on writing like the number one advice is like to write um michael jordan being the person that he was and but he was known for his intense workouts that he had to just like be out there practicing and doing it over and over and over again and that there has to be a cultivation you can't just rely on your natural talent it's it's malcolm gladwell's sort of ten thousand hours theory that Mm -hmm. you know they did a study of i i think primarily it was classical uh musicians and that to achieve mastery of your instrument you have to practice on average ten thousand hours over your lifetime that's sort of been taken a lot more literally these days and you know the the theory has become sort of butchered but that said it is just it's more of a a thing of you you put you have to put in the work you have to put in the work to realize your potential and i know i've mentioned this this anecdote in the past on the show but it's the idea of bill gates didn't become who he is today because he just happened to be incredible at computers and coding and making computers it's because he did have the random chance of some situations in his life being put there for him his spark his latent spark was there but then he did have the wherewithal to gather his resources to build up his skills and to let that spark once it had blue once it had sparked to to blossom and flourish not that I think that we should be idolizing billionaires or saying that they're the planeswalkers of our universe, because I don't like that analogy. But 
it's sometimes good... they're the handy examples. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's be real. I would love to Cause... despark the billionaires and trap them on the prison on the uh, meditation yeah. realm. Yeah. Just for for better or worse, like this, the sports stars, the billionaires, they're the the frame of reference that more people would have. Yes. Don't you dare try to put Michael Jordan on the prison realm. He already had to deal with possibly being trapped by the Monstars. When do we get that sequel? I mean, we could talk about the Monstars sparking when they stole stole the sparks from all the other NBA players. Oh, (laughs) my gosh. Monstars. Let's see. And in that case, they, you know, actually cared a little bit to not kill the people that they stole their sparks from. Wow. Space Jam. So what we're saying is Monstar's not quite as, as vicious as uh, Necropolis. Wait, I, what? we are not saying that. <laughs> Con- well, confirmed, Space boy, Jam boy. is in the multiverse. That's our show. You can find the podcast at GoblinLorePod on Twitter, or email any questions, comments, or concerns to GoblinLorePodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, you can do so at patreon.com slash goblinlorepod. This episode of Goblin Lore was hosted by Hobbs Q, who you can find on Twitter at Hobbs Q. This episode was co-hosted and researched by Alex Newman, who you can find on Twitter at Alexander New M. Engineering, editing, and production for this episode is by Joe Redman, who you can find on Twitter at Findhorn. That's F-Y-N-D Horn. Our music is by Wintergatten, who you can find at Wintergatten.com. That's winter, G-A-T-A-N.com. Logo by Stephen Raphael on Twitter at Stephen Raffle. Goblin Lore is presented by Hipsters of the Coast, which you can find at HipstersMTG on Twitter or on HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you all for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs>